Yep, scoot along. Thank you. And hey everybody, how's it going? You're listening to Fix My Car Cast, hosted by Bear Claw Billy. Still trying to figure out the timing on the crosswalk as I leave work. That's right, today is, oh gosh, 5922? That sounds about right. Yeah, 5922. You're listening to the journey from work to home. Of course, the talent agency that I work at. Get excited, this is happening. I know, it's a very clunky name for a talent agency. But let's not talk about that talent agency. Let's get right into today's topic for this podcast, which if you didn't know, is a podcast where I am trying to raise money for car repairs. And actually, I should probably update you on the car repairs before we get into anything else. Does this sound unfocused? It sure is. Like most ideas, I just shot up in bed one night and said, I'm going to do that. And that's what I'm doing. A podcast where you listen to me walk home because I don't have a functional car. All right. So, update. Car is at the shop. Was told it would not take as long as it did last time. I needed to get the engine replaced. It took about two months. I was told two weeks. I was told they're not as in a bind over staffing issues and supply chain issues. So, it's entirely possible I could have a car back by the end of this week. Which you might be wondering, does that mean the podcast is over? Well, no. The podcast exists to raise money to pay for the car repairs, and it's looking like I'm going to have to take out a loan. So I will still need people's help to pay off that loan because everything is terrible forever. Um, Donations are still coming in. Um, The timing on this is a little weird. We got a new donation uh, from somebody by the name of Margo um, who tried to donate anonymously, messed that up, and then I asked if it was okay to say their name. And so far I am. Um, Also, full disclosure, you know... Margo is a sweetie of mine. Um, So I said, one of two things, I can keep your name uh, anonymous, or I can make kissy faces, kissy noises, kissy face noises. The sound of a face kissing another face. Uh, I could make kissy noises every time I say their name. Um, And they opted for that one. So thank you, Margo, for uh, your donation. Um, Margo gets to pick a topic but she's going to have her topic on tomorrow's episode um, because one of, my, one of my earliest donors swung back around with a topic. So that's going to be today's topic. And today's topic, I don't know if we should do it before or after comedian Keith Hebert. We'll do it, we'll do it first. Um, but stick around for our guest, uh, comedian musician Keith Hebert. He'll be coming up later in the program. Um, today's topic... Boy, it's windy. Boy, this is a bad idea for a podcast. I'm crossing the street. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, all right. Today's topic comes from Chad. Chad gave a lot of money. And Chad wants me to talk about when I knew that I loved performing. I'm assuming on a stage. Um... But, you know, 
baby, my whole life is a performance. Who are any of these people around me? I'm just faking it till I make it. Um, which sounds like a joke, but that is actually kind of serious. Uh, that's definitely how I got into acting. Like, I was obsessed with movies. Um, I, like most children, thought every movie was a documentary. Until I saw... Uh, behind the scenes of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids on the Disney Channel. Um, Because, you know, way, way, way back in the day, you'd get a week free. And I think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids had just come out, and they were just, like, promoting the heck out of it. And, uh, And, yeah, I was like, wait a minute, that big screw was actually styrofoam? My world is shattered. And shortly after that, I realized that those kids weren't Rick Moranis's kids. Thank goodness, because we should knock Rick, <laughs> knock, we should knock Rick Moranis up. Welcome to the episode where I talk about my plans to impregnate Rick Moranis. All right, so it's a three-pronged system. Phase one is called Little Giants. Phase two is called Ghostbusters 2. And phase three, the old space balls. Um, anyway, so Chad wanted me to talk about impregnating Rick Moranis. And uh, I'll tell you what led me down that path. Um, So, I think, for me, the three shows that made me a comedian are Saturday Night Live. I'm trying to figure out if I did these in alphabetical order. Nope. Backing up. Mystery Science Theater 3000, Saturday Night Live, and Whose Line Is It Anyway? And if anyone wants to get technical, not the oest OG Mystery Science Theater, because that would be the KTMA days, but, you know, the original Comedy Central run with Joel. Um, SNL, I've just been watching my whole life. That's just been a thing. I live in an SNL family. Um, and whose line it is anyway? The British edition that they would show on Comedy Central. For one glorious year of my life, we had cable. And so I just ate up all the Mystery Science Theater, Whose Line Is It Anyway, and SNL reruns that I could. And this made me want to be funny. And one day when I grow up, I hope to achieve that. But until then, I'm basically basically riffing on those three things. Um, so yeah, that's what made me want to perform. Um, this is absolutely true. Um, you know, whenever people ask, like, what's your secret? What are your techniques? How do you keep your mind and body sharp? Um, and to that I can say, when I was a kid, I didn't know that Mystery Science Theater was scripted. Um, and I realize I may be talking to people who don't know what some of these shows are. Mystery Science Theater is a show where a guy and some puppets talk over movies. Whose Line Is It Anyway is an improv show. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. Though I don't think that was the tagline until Carrie. And I was a Clive Anderson era. Um, Yeah, that's right. Tony Slattery. That guy. Mike McShane. I think Mike McShane was on the Drew one. Um, Anyway. So, I think what really blew my mind was the day I learned that Whose Line Is It Anyway was not scripted. Like, I remember my parents just telling me, like, no, they're just making it up off the top of their heads. And that was my, like, that was my training montage. 
that was my anime style. I must learn this power at once. Like, um, so yeah, obsessed with improv ever since I was like six. Um, that set me off. Um, in high school, I did scripted plays. And, like, I liked it, but only because it was the closest thing to what I really wanted to do, which was comedy and improv. Um, To this day, I don't think I'm a very good actor when you hand me something scripted. But I feel like if I get on a stage and I'm kicking it from my hip, it feels a little more natural. Um, I like the improv method of comedy where it's just, like, you're grabbing stuff as it flies through your brain... And you throw it out there. And, uh, you know, it feels a little more authentic. Sometimes I wasn't asked to talk about the difference between improv and stand-up, but I feel like I hover in between those two worlds. I feel like when I got to college, I was actually surprised that I did not go for theater classes or acting in anything. Um, I was not in a single play my entire four years of college. Um, which probably seems weird if you knew me in high school, because I was all about the plays, but my college had an improv troupe, and I was like, oh my goodness, I want that, because my drama teacher, when I was in high school, said that we just weren't good enough to do something like that, and I think in my elderly wisdom, I realized that he just did not want to teach improv to a bunch of kids, (laughs) and I totally get it. I wouldn't want to teach improv to a bunch of anyone. Um, I feel like the the learning curve on improv is horseshit for 10 years, and then suddenly it's awesome. Whenever people want to know how to get good at improv, the jerk answer is get a time machine, go back in time 10 years, tell yourself to start then. But, you know, it's all that Malcolm Gladwell stuff. You've got to get your 10,000 hours in. And case in point, I've been doing improv since I was in high school. And I'm still only this funny. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, but okay, so I, I did improv at my house. No joke. I would have friends over and we would do improv games together. Um, because my teacher whose name I won't name, but I wish him well, said that we weren't good enough for it. So really, if you want your kid to be a good performer, one of two things. Tell them they'll never make it, and lie to them. (laughs) Tell them that Mystery Science Theater is improvised, and they will work every day. (laughs) They will work every day to be as funny as those guys without a script. And then one day find out, wait a minute, they have a script? Oh, well. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, tell your kids they'll never be good enough. And uh, lie to your kids. Um, You know, if your kid wants to know how video games are made, tell them, oh, they're drawn by hand. And then your kid will draw a video game by hand. And then you can be like, gotcha. But look how good you are at drawing now. Truly, truly, I think of stand-up, improv, and movie riffing. I feel like my movie riffing is the strongest. Um, There's just something about, you know, a moment is unfolding in front of you, and you have to find the end to make it funny. And uh, 
you know, you don't have to worry about plot too much versus improv where you're constantly having to remember what's going on. And I'm not going to make it sound like any of these things are easy, but then there's comedy where you have to tell, there's stand-up rather, where you have to tell the same joke 50 times and not get sick of it. It's a real struggle for me. I, uh, when I say something clever, I want to just explode into dust. <laughs> That's my goal. Hey, ah, zing, and then I just don't exist anymore. That's my ideal. Because immediately people are going to be like, hey, when you said this, were you? And to be completely honest, don't ever walk up to an improver and be like, oh my God, what were you thinking when I wasn't? That's the point. You're not supposed to think. You grab stuff in the weird swirly cloud of the soul and you pull it out. You haul it out of you. You throw it at the audience. And if you're lucky, the same nerves that went when it floated past you will go to the audience too. And that's just the shit I love. That's uh, that's the difference between a live DJ and rhyming on a cassette tape. That's the difference between you and me. I make this look good. Um, yeah, see, what you don't do is try to do improv on your walk home while you're sweating your buttocks off. Um, so yeah, I think... Uh, I think a couple of years after college, I was like, should I try stand-up? And then I moved to a town that had what could arguably be called a stand-up scene, but not really. I don't even know what the difference between a town and a city is. There are tiny little towns I think of as cities. And also I went to New York and I was like, you call this a city? Literally the biggest city I've ever been to. And I was like, you call this a city? Um, I got off topic. How do I bring it back around? Chicago, great improv scene. Loved Chicago when I went there. Ha! Now that's a city. That's a city full of funny fuckers. Um, so, so yeah, performing. Uh, yeah, I started doing stand-up. Um, gosh. 20, 2008? Oh, yuck. Oh, like 15 years ago? Something like that. Um, and I had various off and on performances. Um, I would get sick of it a lot. Um, I feel like I got really tired of inviting people out to see me and all they could talk about on the drive home was the three straight white shitty guys who thought they were being edgy. Um, Tell you right now, the straight white edgy guys is what keeps me out of comedy a lot. Um, maybe eventually they'll take the hint and like go home and work on themselves. But but yeah, I have quit comedy at least twice over that. Like my friends just being like, I really want to see you, but everyone else is a jerk. Yeah. You'll get no pushback from me. They really are. But you didn't ask me why uh, straight white men suck. But if anybody wants to hear that topic, throw 50 bucks in the pot. Um, 
So yeah, I did some stand-up. Oh, gosh. I think I did it after I moved to city that kind of sort of had a scene. Um, yeah, I just did it off and on. Um, and then one day, gloriously, I got a gig uh, talking over movies, which is my dream job. I think I'm really good at it. Um, it takes a lot of skill. Me and my friends got so good at it that we were like, we could run a boot camp on how to do this. Because, like, it does have rules, just like improv. Like, there are certain there are certain factors when it comes to talking over a movie collectively um, that's rooted in some of the rules of stand-up and some of the rules of improv. Um, and, yeah, it's a rush, especially to do it live. Especially when people think, like, there's no way you're coming up with that off the top of your head. There's no way you're doing it. Um, Pat Oswalt has an essay about that, so I won't get in on his territory. But yeah, audiences doubt your cleverness a lot. And like, uh, no, we, uh, we do this all day. We know what we're doing. <laughs> we're actually that clever. Again, you too can train yourself, but you seem busy spilling beer. Someone once asked me like, do is it true that like comedians just have utter contempt for their audiences? And I wish I had a wittier comeback then. It's true. <laughs> um, we don't have contempt. We just want you to be cool. Like some people, some people think they're part of the show. You're not. Some people think it's their job to outfunny the comedian. You won't. You never will. So, we don't have contempt for the whole audience, but there's a lot of people who really don't know what to do at a comedy show. Which is shut the fuck up except for this noise. Ha! Um, but, yeah, so I, I got a movie riffing gig. That was pretty great, but we just couldn't get the audience for it. Netflix, do you feel my pain? Mystery Science Theater 3000. Very popular. To a select few. Um, and then, you know, that whole pandemic thing. That kind of ruined a lot of my opportunities to perform live. But now I'm... Uh, oh, my God. Now I'm trying to do YouTube stuff. It has its moments. I certainly like how people come to you versus bachelorette parties wandering in and being like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, I love, I love performing, but my favorite kind of performing is when I'm as surprised as you are. Um, like to me, the magic is really the magic is really... I don't like when I'm the author of a joke. I like when the universe hands me a joke. Like, those are the moments that I really love. Or I got nothing, and I just kind of zone out. And the universe is like, hey, 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 up here! And you look up, 
and a hole opens in the space-time continuum and a leather-gloved hand reaches down and gives you a kumquat and then you're like, yes! Kumquat is what this scene needed for several reasons but you don't overthink it. That's the hardest part in improv is realizing that like you're not trying to be funny and you're not trying to put a nice bow on the story. But uh yeah, I'd like to get back to performing at some point. Um pandemic's made it real hard. I did an open mic like I want to say a year ago in a friend's backyard and the best thing that came of that was I discovered polar orange dry soda (laughs) I wish I was kidding it was also a great night with lots of very funny people (sighs) but it was also the night that there was a big cooler of drinks and I had never tried polar orange dry and it's just real good I don't get it. I don't get the magic. I don't know what they're doing right, but it is the greatest beverage I've ever tasted. So to answer your question, Chad, I love performing because it helps me find new and interesting soft drinks. I would like to be a traveling performer someday. Thing is, I hate paperwork and scheduling and things like that. So I need an agent like, whoa. That stuff melts my brain. But I would love if someone was just in charge of getting me where I needed to go. And I could see the country. Or dare I say it, the world. But we're not there yet. Also, helps to be rich proud trailer trash here at the end of the day if you're sad that you're funny but you haven't made it anywhere it's just because you were born poor that's really it that's really it ah well speaking of being poor almost back at the house now and uh keep that money rolling in because if, if I get my car fixed, who knows? I might be able to start telling jokes on the road again. <sighs> and I might not keep making the worst idea for a podcast, which is me breathing heavily at you, alone, with no guests. That's right, zero guests. There's never been a guest on this show, and there never will be. <laughs> anyway... Tune in tomorrow when our special guest will be comedian and musician Keith Heber. He's always a hoot. He's got a lot to say. He'll make you laugh. It'll make you think. Tomorrow's topic is already on lock, so I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, but it, it should be a neat one. It's a nice one. Sounds like I'm judging the topic in advance. You know what? It's fine. It's fine. You did fine, Margo. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, almost home. 
and uh, then we'll be done. I sure do love performing and stuff. Um, and I'm probably gonna do some more of that on this here show. I definitely have an episode planned um, where I'll be doing some improv and, and maybe some uh, maybe some music too. I, I haven't decided yet. I uh, I do upload this show as soon as I get home. Like the process starts right away. So you'll uh, you'll be hearing this ideally an hour after it's recorded. A little look behind the curtain. Gang, I'm sorry, I'm out of stuff to say. Um, I'm going to see Dr. Strange Deuce tomorrow. What a weird name, Dr. Strange Deuce. Um, so maybe I'll have something to say about that. Spoilers if you don't want spoilers for the spoilers. Um, sorry, today is really... The wind is out of me, my friends. Whew. Almost home. It's starting to get warmer. Also, I have no idea if this is still recording. I did the old back pocket trick. Huh. Anyway, you're listening to Fix My Car Cast, hosted by Bear Claw Billy. Hope you had a good time. And as always... Okay, like, drink water... But not like in the half-assed drink water where like you're not actually contributing anything. You know what I mean? Like I wanna, I wanna be helpful and sound like I'm your friend. So I'm gonna say drink water because it is the most bare minimum nice thing I could say to you. I have so much mail. But like, genuinely, you know, I don't know you. You're not my friend. We have no intimate relationship. But purely separately from that, please drink some water. Because if you're like me, you don't get enough, and you drink a lot of sweet drinks. And if walking to work has taught me anything, you gotta get more of that water. Get that wetness! Bye!